Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm Aaron, and I want to make a declaration that I'm in love with Jesus and want to make to my whole life with Jesus and his power. Come on. <laughs> I'm Skyler, and for the longest time, I didn't want to be baptized because it felt like a ritual, but now it feels like the next step to a romance. <laughs> yes! That'll preach! Nice! Yes! Come on! My name's Lorenzo, and I want to be, I want to be baptized because I really just felt Holy Spirit saying as I go into BSSM um, that it's the beginning of a new chapter of life and to leave the old things behind me, so that's what I'm doing. Yes! My name is Kelly, and I'd like to purify my sense of being. Come on. Very good. Kelly, bless you. What you just heard were testimonies from members at Bethel Church sharing their reasons for being water baptized. This came from a service held on September of 2017. And you might have noticed the reasons listed and come away with some questions. And you were not alone. I came away with some questions as well as I was looking into water baptism and why this would be a good topic to discuss on the podcast, because it seems pretty basic and pretty straightforward, right? I mean, water baptism is a fundamental belief and instruction for believers in Christ to obey. And some questions that people might have as a basic understanding for water baptism is, well, what does water baptism mean? Why do we do it? Is this something to do in order to deepen our spiritual experience with God? And do we need to repeatedly do it over and over again? Is there a reason to do it over again, to be rebaptized. Is there a biblical reason for that? Um, does it cause demons to manifest? We are going to dive more into this topic as we discuss water baptism today, and we look at some examples that you may or may not be aware of that have taken place uh, over the past several years and continue to go on even today. And we're also going to look at what Scripture has to say about baptism and even listen to a good biblical teaching about why baptism is important for believers in Christ. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. As already stated, a lot of us have the understanding that water baptism is an ordinance or a sacrament that is to be performed by the church. It's along with communion. Those are the two that are recognized in the body of believers that we are told to put into practice and to obey Christ as he instructed in Scripture to do so. Some may be wondering why to even talk about baptism. I mean, again, it should be pretty straightforward, and there shouldn't be any discrepancies in it or misunderstandings or misrepresentations of it, right? Well, we're going to look at some of those examples, just like the one that we listened to a few minutes ago. And I wanted to cover it today because of those misconceptions and practices that are not modeled in Scripture. Now, we're not going to get to every single example that could be going on. I know that there have been revivals where people have been baptized, and there's the claims of that they've been divinely healed or that there's other things that have taken place. But again, we need to go back to what the biblical understanding of water baptism is in order to have a proper foundation for this and understand why it's important for for Christians to be baptized. Because water baptism is for believers. It's not for unbelievers. It's for believers in Christ who have already professed the saving faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins. And I wanted to discuss water baptism today for those who would also like help in understanding the biblical meaning and significance of water baptism as a Christian and why we do it, what it means, and what it doesn't mean. So in order for us to understand that, we are going to look at what it doesn't mean. And I'm going to give another example from Bethel Church. Now, this took place in 2019. There's some some that may have already heard this clip, but in case you haven't, I just want to give um, a disclaimer for all of these examples today. I want you to be prepared for what you're getting ready to hear. It may come across as comical in some instances. It may come across as quite disturbing, the things that you're going to hear. Even though you can't see them, I will have some of the clips available for you below so that you can look at them in the description of this episode. But I'm just wanting to prepare you now that some of this, if you're not accustomed to hearing some of these things or not aware of what's going on, these may be quite disturbing to you, or you may find them comical. And though some of them are comical as the one I'm getting ready to play, also there's a sadness to this because 
I want you and I both to remember something. When people are making such professions as what we're getting ready to hear, this saddens us and helps us to know that these people do not have a proper understanding of the reason for water baptism and the the truly spiritual significance of it as far as Christ is concerned and our relationship with Christ and what it really means. With that, let's listen to this other clip from Bethel back in 2019 at a water baptism that was taking place during a corporate service. What you're getting ready to hear are a couple of people telling why they want to be water baptized. That we get to baptize people. I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and then we're going to go ahead and begin to baptize people tonight. Well, two of those questions is, one is your name, and the second of all is why you're being baptized tonight. And so let's start with you. What was your name, and uh, why are you wanting to be baptized tonight? <laughs> My name's Michaela. <laughs> and, and why are you wanting to be baptized? Oh, Jesus is king. <laughs> I love him so much, and I'm a child of God. <laughs> Come on. It's, can we give her a round of applause, hey, man? That's awesome. <laughs> Friend, why'd you come over? Tell us your name and tell us why you're being baptized tonight. I am Crystal, and <laughs> I just know that God is calling me to be a warrior for His animal kingdom, and that I'm to lead angels of our, an army of angels to protect animals across the world. And I just know I can't do it without God. Come on, give Crystal a round of applause. That's amazing, sweet. That's amazing. Starting right out of the gate, we are hearing one where two people, um, the first one, actually, when you watch this clip, you notice that she has the appearance of looking drunk in the spirit. She's kind of leaning on the guy that's asking her and she's seeming a little tipsy or out of it. Yeah, so that was her explaining why she wants to get baptized. And I appreciate her saying that Jesus is king. And um, But again, we need to ask the question, do these individuals seem to understand what is the spiritual significance of being water baptized as a believer in Christ? The second girl, it was very sad to me because I'm, even though it was initially it could be comical, it's still sad because this girl is, is not demonstrating that she understands the meaning of baptism. And you heard her response was that, that she's to lead a host of angels, an army of angels for the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's one example right there of uh, we don't have, it doesn't seem that we have a proper understanding of water baptism. And so that's, that's a bit concerning. Uh, the next clip I want to play for you is one of many from a minister named Torben Sondergaard. Now, you may not be familiar with him, and there are some issues going on with him currently in the United States. I'm not going to get into those, but he originally is from Denmark. He is not from the United States, but he had a ministry that he started called the Last Reformation, and he has put into practice as far as water baptism that he uh, makes it a practice and teaching that when people are water baptized, they are forgiven of their sins at the point of water baptism. Now, he will argue and say that it's not baptismal regeneration, but it sounds like it from what he's teaching. In addition to this, when someone comes up out of the water, he tells them you go down in Christ and you, um, you're dead in Christ and you come up in Christ when you come out of the water. Immediately, what he's put into practice is, and you, you'll see this repetitively if you've seen any of his videos, is that he immediately starts casting demons out of people from the moment that they are water baptized. Then he starts telling them that they need to be filled with the Spirit and that they, he wants them to be praying in tongues. So I'm going to play one of these examples. But before I play that, I want to play just a little bit of uh, a few clips of his teaching about this so we can have a better understanding from where he's coming from. He has up to hour, couple hours worth of teachings on some of this. We're not going to get into that, but we're going to play a couple of very short clips so you can have a general understanding of what he, where he's coming from in his perspective of water baptism. But again, if you are not baptized on your own faith with full immersion, you cannot take this revelation and start to live in it. How do we set us free through baptism in water? When we recognize we have sinned against God, when we turn away from our sins and we get baptized to Jesus Christ, we die with Christ, we rise up with Christ. It's not just a symbol. When that happens, we experience that amazing freedom. This is what many people experience today when we baptize them. But for me, when I got baptized, I did not experience that freedom right away. Why? Because nobody told me, nobody was teaching me what baptism truly was. So I was baptized, I came up again, but because nobody told me what 
I have now experienced you know, how I should live. I did not live in that freedom. But a short time after, when I studied Romans 6, what baptism really was, I got that revelation. And when I got that revelation, I started to live in that freedom. And from that moment on, I was free. But again, if you are not baptized on your own faith with full immersion, you cannot take this revelation and start to live in it. Then you need to get baptized first, and when you then get baptized and come out of water, you can live in it. So here's what I want to say, but take Romans 6, 7, 8, read it through, and let the word change your life and experience the freedom I and many other people have experienced. God bless you. Torben also says in another clip that I found, he tells people that it is not correct to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that it is correct to be baptized in the name of Jesus only. Everyone in the Bible who got baptized got baptized in the name of Jesus. No one got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Me, myself, I got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have not got rebaptized. But he does uh, admit in some other clips that he was rebaptized because he was not baptized originally in the name of Jesus only. This is to help us have some semblance of a foundation to understand where he's coming from in his teaching. With that, I'm going to play this clip. And I warn you, this one is disturbing. If you can't see, you won't be able to see what's going on unless you watch the video. But you're going to hear, and it's disturbing. This woman is being baptized in water and she is going to what he will say is manifest demons because he's praying for her and trying to cast out demons after she's been water baptized. I cannot emphasize that enough. After she's been water baptized and he's saying, you come up in Christ. Why you tell someone that you're, you come up in Christ and that then you have to have demons cast out of you doesn't make a whole lot of sense, biblically speaking and even logically speaking, but at any rate, you're going to listen, you're going to hear what's taking place here, and then you'll hear her shortly after they allege that the demons are gone, that she's going to start speaking in tongues. So that just gives you one example. Now, there are many others that you can find online with him and his team doing this with other people, that they are having them water baptized and then proceeding to cast demons out of them, that there's an alleged uh, manifestation that's going on. It really, this is not a biblical practice that we see even going on in Scripture. We don't see people being water baptized and then demons manifesting. So we have to go by what Scripture says. We're not going to go by what someone has made that's extra biblical and and um, attached itself onto Scripture. We go by what, what is shown to us in Scripture of what has taken place. We don't see anything like this modeled in Scripture. Um, so this is one example, and I, and I feel for this woman, there's because of the the amount of deception that's that's in this and again there does not appear to be a proper understanding of water baptism including the teaching of Jesus only water baptism now that we have some semblance of that understanding and that example we can see that this is going on and he's not the only ministry that's doing this so there are other ministries that do this as well in the same fashion that they are saying they're water baptizing people they're casting demons out of them after they're water baptized and then wanting to have them fill with the Spirit. And again, then there also seems to be a disconnect or a misunderstanding of what it means to be Spirit-filled. And so I would encourage you to even do a Bible study on that and to have and to gain better understanding of, well, what does it mean to be Spirit-filled as a believer in Christ? Because the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you at the moment of salvation. 
And so we need to understand that first and foremost. And and you don't get uh, remission of your sins or forgiveness of your sins at water baptism. That's not a biblical teaching either. So we have that example. There are others who will have a person repeat declarations about themselves when getting baptized. So this was an interesting one. I came across this one uh, from a lady named Krista Alicia, or Krista Elisha, depending on how you hear her pronounce it. She had this on her Instagram account. I found it a while back when I was doing a little bit of research on water baptism as far as some examples. And I thought that this example was unusual as well because this is not a typical way that you would have someone do a water baptism and having them recite things like this. So I want you to have a listen to what she had this man. I think it's a man and and his wife that are sitting in this tub of water. And I want you to hear what she had him say and then consider, is this a proper understanding of water baptism in addition to the other ones that you've heard that are also heavily under consideration. I am a son of God. I am a king priest. I have authority. I rule. And I reign. Seated in Christ. I am a So I apologize for the sound in the background that was, uh, they were doing this outside and there was a tent behind them that was catching wind. And also too, I think it was the wind coming through the phone, through the microphone, but you can kind of hear what she's saying to him. She's having him repeat these certain declarations and they're sitting in that, that water, the baptismal, uh, water. It's a, it's like a, a metal, a stainless steel tank that's sitting outside, Again, the question comes, does, does this person have a proper biblical understanding of water baptism? Has, has this person gone through some sort of teaching on water baptism to understand what it means, the significance of it? Why is this water baptism being uh, man-centered? Why is it being centered on the power and authority of that person and that the devil doesn't play with me? Again, it's this whole thing of pumping up self, building up self, and it's not focused on Christ. It's not focused on Christ. And I understand that some people will will say, well, we don't know what was what was told to them when the camera was off, how this was carried out, and we don't know all that. But she shared this on her Instagram account. So this was significant to, to her to share in telling this man to repeat these declarations. But there's still, again, there's no evidence that there was any proper understanding of what it means to be water baptized as a true believer in Christ and the significance of that. And we shouldn't overlook those things. And the sad part about this one is, is that it's all on you. It's all man-centered. It's all about your power and your authority and that you're not going to surrender. The devil's afraid of you and that you're, that you're a generational curse breaker and you're all these things. Well, where's Jesus in all of that? And to follow him. These are all things that we have to take into consideration when we're hearing example example like that. So there could be baptisms going on out there where people are having these declarations told to them that they have to say. There are some who will recount their experiences of water baptism, focusing on the repeated experience that they had, saying that they've already been baptized once before, and they're not being rebaptized because of doctrinal error or that they were a false convert or anything like that. There are people that actually continue to get water baptized because they're, they believe that there's power in that and that they can have a supernatural experience or occurrence in that. Prime example that I'm getting ready to share with you took place um, in Israel. And a lot of people will travel to, when they go to Israel, they will make a point to get baptized in the Jordan River because 
that is something that is highly regarded as as an important thing to do when you're there. Even if you've ever been water baptized before, people will still do that because they just they believe it's really um, a neat thing to do to be baptized where Jesus was in the Jordan River and and to have that experience. We're not told to do that though. We're not told to have a repeat baptism when the water baptism that we had at the beginning, if it was truly, if we were truly true um, believers in Christ and we had a proper understanding of what water baptism means and why we're doing it. And that it's not just a ritual that we do, but the significance of it as a, as a believer in Christ, that it doesn't save us, it doesn't cleanse us, it demonstrates to who we belong, and that it's a public declaration of um, of an inward change that's taken place within us because of Christ, then w- there's no need to be rebaptized again. But there will be people that will do it case in point like this one and other times because that there's there's an emphasis on the going under the water and 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 having this supernatural experience so Anna Werner is a um, professing prophet and she has her own show that's on Sid Roth's network and she is going to be telling a little bit about what happened to her when she was rebaptized in the Jordan River and what took place done with all these people we've done about 400 people now and it's now time for us the guests to go and get baptized and my friend says on it's your turn to get baptized so i'm like okay i'm ready you know i'm like i'm ready i've been watching god touching people over and over and over and i'm like okay now this isn't my first time getting baptized nor is this the first time i felt the fire of god but i've never felt it like this i'll tell you that much i went under the water they prayed over me my friends uh I want to say dunked me, but that's probably not the right term, but they baptized me. I went under the water. As I came up, something happened to me. Can you believe this? As I came up out of the water, I was no longer there. I'm telling you, maybe they'll bring the picture up and they'll show you, but I was no longer there. I actually saw myself in a different place. That sounds so weird just saying it on camera, but it's true. I saw that I was right up seeing in the throne room of God. Now, physically, my body was still there. I know this because I ended up having to lean on my two friends that were holding me up, but I was seeing right up in the throne room of God. I saw lots of people there. If you're wondering, what did you see? I saw lots of people there. And then I saw this throne and I saw just the feet. I could see like the feet of Jesus. And I saw this throne and then I saw this glory coming. People say glory. Now, what was that? It looked like liquid fire and it was coming. And I could see the glory coming. Whoo, I can feel it right now over me, but I could feel it hitting my body. And I know I could see it first coming towards me, filling the room, filling the room, filling the room. And then I thought I had the fear, I'm gonna die. This glory is going to physically hit me. And I got actual scared, like the fear of, like a fear, not scared, because people say, well, there's no, you know, you shouldn't be scared in heaven, but it was like the fear of the Lord came over me. I thought I might die. The glory of God then hit my body. I felt it go from the bottom of my feet up through um, my stomach and then up to my shoulders, all the way up my head. And when I felt that go through like this, it felt like electricity shooting up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, and it wouldn't stop. And I'm yelling, you know, this is what happened to me. I'm shaking. And then out of somewhere, it's the weirdest thing. I was there in heaven, but I could hear my voice. I could hear my own voice and I was yelling, holy, 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 holy. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop saying that over and over and over. And then just like that, I was out of the throne room and I'm like, oh, here I am. I'm in the Jordan. My friends are holding me up and I couldn't stop shaking and I'm shaking like this because I had just had the fire of God. The power of God hit me in such a strong way. I've never felt anything like that before. The truth is it took me days to readjust as I continued this tour. Here's the thing, as I continue the tour, I'm supposed to be guiding people, okay? And I've just had this power blast through me. I went in, I'm telling you the truth, I went in and out of heaven encounters the, the rest of the tour. So there's times where I couldn't even be able to talk. I remember I was walking down the hallway of the, the hotel and the glory of God hit me again, boom, an angel slammed me to the floor. An angel, really, came, slammed me to the floor and I'm laying there and I can't talk, and I'm just pinned to the ground. This group of women, I'll never forget, this sweet group of women from our tour come by, and they're like, oh, that's just Anna. She's just hit again. She's drunk in the spirit again. Just leave her there. And I'm thinking, God, I can't even defend myself. I'm trying to talk to you. All I can do is the tongue, the tongue came out of me. That's all I could. I couldn't even formulate sentences. I can't even talk. I'm like, God, I can't. I'm not even in control anymore. And you know what he said? He said, now you got it. You never really were. So those are just some examples I wanted to share with you as far as what some people will um, 
claim or profess that they believe with regarding water baptism and some of the things that that can take place. And again, like I said, there are other examples that we can find and even we could evaluate manifestations and such of water baptisms taking place. But let's shift over to scripture. We're going to look at what uh, the word has to say about baptism, talk a little bit more about this particular subject so we have a better understanding of it from the word of God. I want to play a few clips for you from a recent teaching that I came across online about water baptism that I think you will find really helpful. And I will leave the the link to the full teaching below so you can listen to it and have a better understanding. So when we actually go and do some research on water baptism, one of the things that we may look up For example, I'm using gotquestions.org as I've used it before. There are some articles on here that cover certain questions regarding baptism. So when we look at baptism, we want to see from Scripture that the two ordinances in the New Testament that were instituted by Christ are baptism and the Lord's Supper, or what we call communion. And the the rite of baptism, this is according to gotquestions.org, is a physical depiction of a new believer's old life being buried with the Lord and then raised to walk in newness of life. Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. And the Christian identifies with Jesus being fully immersed into the water, which symbolizes death, and then being lifted out of the water to live a new life now, and one day to live in a glorified new body in the eternal state. So one thing that we have to understand, because Torben Sondergaard made a, a, a point when you listen to some of his teachings on this, he mentions about how that when he was baptized the first time in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he came out of the water and nobody taught him anything about what was to take place after that. And that he said he felt no change and that he didn't see anything demonstrated. One thing that we tend to forget as believers is that we live in a now and not yet, that we are uh, co-heirs with Christ and that we are are made new by Christ. But at the same time, we're looking forward to the time when we're going to be in a glorified state. We're going to spend all eternity with God and that there's not going to be any more sin or sickness or death or tears or anything that we're going to have to contend with while we're on this earth. But even as believers, after we're born again, we still have things in this world to contend with. The difference is, is that we have been bought with a price. We've been redeemed by Christ. We've been made new. The old man has passed away. The new has come. And that we now have a high priest. We have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we have the high priest who's ever interceding for us, and we have the indwelling of the third person of the Trinity, who is the Holy Spirit. And we are now reconciled to God the Father. So we um, are no longer at enmity with God. We're no longer under the judgment of God or the wrath of God. We are at peace with God. Now, when we're water baptized, which again, baptism does not save us. Um, baptism does not save us. There's only one way to salvation, and it is by faith alone in Christ alone. But water baptism is something that was instructed and instituted by Christ himself. We see this, for example, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, beginning with verse 18, when Jesus tells his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we see here, first of all, that he's telling them to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he's wanting them to make disciples. And as they make disciples, the call is to also, and the instruction, and the instruction is to baptize them. Well, as we read about the baptism, we see in Romans, we'll look at in just a few minutes, we see that this going under the water to be fully immersed into the water is a symbol is symbolizing that we're going into Christ's death which represents what he did on the cross, that we are being submerged, that we're being immersed into and baptized into Christ's death. And this, again, salvation doesn't save us. This is a public declaration that we're making, a public proclamation of our faith, that an inward change has taken place within us, and we want to make that public. We want that to be known outwardly to other fellow believers in Christ. So we go under the water that symbolizes our death. And when we're being lifted out of the water, this represents the resurrection of the body, that we become alive in Christ. And that there's a glorified state that we'll look forward to in eternity with God. Now, we do note that in the Old Testament, for example, that there is no physical practice of baptism. Um, There are events, though, that foreshadowed this. 
So one of the, and one of the ones that Got Question talks about uh, is the incident in Genesis when we hear about uh, Noah. And Peter also talks about this in First Peter chapter three verses 20 through 21. He says, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, some people will look at that and they'll say, well, this says that water baptism saves you. But when they go on to describe this on this particular site and to break this down, we can see for one thing that the ark symbolized salvation for Noah. So we can see that we could see that maybe even that the ark is a type and shadow of showing what it means to be hidden in Christ, to be in Christ. And the baptism symbolizes salvation for us, the waters. And that Peter links this story of Noah to baptism. Noah was in the ark. He was going through the water or the flood as we are in Christ, going through the water of baptism. And the difference there is that Noah's salvation through the ark was temporary, while our salvation through Christ is eternal. So I want to, come, But I want to come back to this whole thing of people will say that, that baptism saves you, but Paul is talking about that this is a spiritual meaning to this, that this is not a physical cleansing that takes that takes place like the removal of dirt, like he talks about in First Peter 3, but it's the cleansing of the heart. It's, again, it's an inward change that takes place, and that can only take place because of Christ, because of His work being done on the inside of us at the moment of salvation and the Holy Spirit coming to indwell us. And it's not that our bodies are washed, but our conscience is washed. What makes baptism significant is not the fact that we get wet, but what has happened on the inside to us. That's the point that Peter's trying to make there. And they list three different things here on this site. It says, baptism is meaningful, number one, when administered in connection with true repentance and true faith in the Lord Jesus. Number two, when it is performed as a symbol of putting away sin and of the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And number three, when it is an act of unreserved dedication to God. This is all possible through the resurrection of Christ, because if our Lord did not rise again, we would never have a heart right with God. So this is all, this is, this is all encouraging for us to understand as believers and the reason why we should be water baptized. There are other references, too, that this article talks about I won't get into, and we know that there's a reference to Jonah, for example, that Jesus even correlates with in, in his a type of his own resurrection. And so we can see that there are some foreshadowings or typologies in the Old Testament. So when we go to look and see what the importance of Christian baptism is, we can see that again, this is something that Jesus told his disciples do in Matthew 28, as we've already mentioned, and that it was practiced before the founding of the church. Um, it was a Jewish practice that the Jews of ancient times, they did baptize to signal that the converts were had a cleansed nature. And John the Baptist used baptism to prepare the way of the Lord, um, requiring everyone, Gentiles included, to be baptized because of the need for repentance. But we do know that um, John's baptism was not uh, complete in providing salvation. So then we know that he was preparing the way for the Lord, and we see that it's not the, his baptism was not the same as a Christian baptism. And the baptism that we go through as believers in Christ, again, is to be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul said, We were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. And so when we see the act of Christian baptism, a person is basically saying without words, that they are confessing faith in Christ alone to save them, and that Jesus has cleansed them from their sin, and that they have his righteousness imputed to them, and now they are going to walk out a life of sanctification in him. And this is that new life that they're going to be walk that we walk out as believers in Christ. Uh, there's another article on gotquestions.org. It says, what is the importance of Christian baptism? I want to read some of this to you. And this may be reiterating some of the things I've said, but I think that you'll find this helpful. So it says, Christian baptism illustrates in dramatic style the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. At the same time, it also illustrates our death to sin and new life in Christ. As the sinner confesses the Lord Jesus, he dies to sin. That's in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. And that says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
And when we come up out of the water, we're raised to a brand new life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Being submerged in the water represents death to sin. And emerging from the water represents the cleansed, holy life that follows salvation. This is what Romans chapter 6, verse 4 has to say. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This helps us to understand what water baptism is and what it is not. Water baptism is us making a public proclamation before other fellow believers that our faith is in Christ alone to save us, that he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, and now we have a new life in him. And we are doing this public proclamation and this demonstration not to save us and not to physically cleanse us in any way, and it's certainly not to cast out demons, (laughs) and it's not to get filled with the Spirit. Because if you are a true believer in Christ, you already have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You're not an empty vessel. If you're a true believer in Christ and you're not a false convert or you're not just someone that's going through the motions, but you're a true believer in Christ and you understand your need for the Lord and Savior. You understand that your sin separates you from God and that on upon you is the wrath of God abiding on you apart from Christ and your need for salvation and your need for redemption. So as Christ is your Lord and Savior, and by believing in your heart and confessing it with your mouth in accordance with Romans 10, then we are born again. We're regenerated. And the old has passed away, the new has come. And the Holy Spirit comes to indwell those who are true believers. So this is not an empty vessel. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then as we go on in this life, we are walking through the process of sanctification which is a continual being set apart and walking in the ways of the, of the Lord, growing in spiritual maturity. And so with water baptism, we understand that when we go under the water, that this is symbolic of us understanding that our old man has died with Christ, that we were buried with Christ. We were buried with him through baptism into his death and that we're raised, we're raised from the dead for the glory of the Father, that we too may have, live a new life. So this is the typical order of events that we see in Scripture. A person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he or she is baptized. And we can see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, so those who received the word were baptized. This was the word that Peter ministered on the day of Pentecost. When they received the word that he ministered, they were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. They received the word, they were baptized, and they came into the, the body of believers. And uh, we also see this in Acts chapter 16, verse 14 and 15. We see uh, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia. This is Luke writing to Theophilus about this account. And he goes on to say, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. She believed and she was baptized. Disciples were made and they were baptized. That's the the typical pattern of what takes place. According to this article too, it says a new believer in Jesus Christ should desire to be baptized as soon as possible. We see this in Acts 8 when Philip is talking to the eunuch, remember, and he is hearing this man, um, he's reading from the book of Isaiah, and he comes along and the Lord puts him in that point to minister to this man and to help him understand the gospel that is pointing back to Christ, that Isaiah is actually prophesying and speaking of Christ. And so the Ethiopian eunuch, as they're traveling along, they come to some water and the eunuch says to Philip, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me be, me be of my being baptized? And they stop the chariot and Philip baptizes the man. Now, that's a powerful thing to, to recognize that takes place there. A lot of times people want to focus on Philip being translated and they want to focus on that and go down that path. No pun intended. But the, the focus here is the gospel being presented to the eunuch and for him to understand what the scripture was saying. The Old Testament scripture, by the way, and the gospel was presented through the Old Testament scripture to this man for him to receive salvation. Philip was placed there by God for that to happen. 
And this is a powerful thing. So we see this. Disciples are made, and then they're water baptized. And then they continue to grow in their faith and grow in the understanding of the truth of the Word of God and to walk in the walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh and to grow in spiritual maturity. So this article ends with saying, Baptism illustrates a believer's identification with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Everywhere the gospel is preached and people are drawn to faith in Christ, they are to be baptized. So I hope that this is this is helpful to see um, what the point of water baptism is. It's not so people can get filled with the Spirit. It's not so people can get demons cast out of them after they're being told that they're they're raised up in Christ, and then demons manifest and they start telling people to do this. And and it's not for us to go and to try to have some sort of miraculous physical healing done. And it's not for um, purposes of flopping around like a fish in the water and having some sort of supernatural manifestation or alleging that we've made a trip to heaven and that we've seen Jesus's feet and that we've had all these these manifestations happen to us. And it's not to um, to talk about how we're supposed to lead an, an army of angels to help um, God's animal kingdom. It's none of those things. It's And it's not to have a, a greater inner sense of being, or it's not to um, to have newness of life because we've, we've endured some sort of tragic loss in our lives, or we've endured some sort of trial in our lives. Water baptism, according to scripture, is for those who are new believers in Christ, and they are they want to make a public proclamation of the inward change that God has done in them to bring them to saving faith in Christ. And they want to do this in the understanding that they are symbolically showing that they were buried with Christ in the water, and they come out and they are new in Him. And that, that should be enough, but instead there's all these additional things that are being done today to try to add to it because it's just, it seems like it's not enough just to be water baptized. There's got to be something more to it. And, and, I'm, and I apologize for continuing to highlight some of these things, but it, it seems to be the case. It's just not enough. It's the same thing with the communion. People want to add to it because the thought of just receiving communion and remembering what Christ did, it just seems like it's not enough. Now it's the water baptism ordinance, that there has to be more to it. It's like reading the Word of God. There has to be more to it. It can't just, we can't just take it at face value. There has to be more to it. We have to read between the lines and find the hidden meanings, and we've got to have some sort of supernatural experience. It seems that that there's no sufficiency found when there has to be more added to it, that we can't just rest in the sufficiency of God's word. We can't rest in the sufficiency of water baptism. When we when we do that as believers, we can't rest in the sufficiency of receiving communion. We can't rest in the sufficiency of prayer, of trusting the Lord in prayer. We can't rest in the sufficiency of, of, of God himself. We can't rest in that sufficiency. And God is sufficient, by the way. He does not need us. <laughs> we are in need of him. He doesn't, he didn't create us because he was in need of anything. He is self-sufficient. But there seems to be this pattern that I, that I don't know if you've noticed it. Maybe, maybe I'm noticing something that's not there, but there seems to be this pattern of, well, there just has to be more. There has to be more to it than just, you know, getting water baptized and you're displaying your profession of faith for Christ and that the old man has passed away and the new has come and that you're acknowledging your need for him and that your trust is in him and your hope is in him and that you are now going to walk as a disciple of Christ and you're going to be continue to be discipled by his word and by fellow believers and by uh, godly leaders that are uh, placed in your life and that you are going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just not enough. And that, and that's really sad. And it's even, it's, it's even sadder when you hear people that are making these declarations or they're saying, well, why they're being baptized, but there's no understanding. There doesn't seem to be an understanding there of why baptism is, is instructed for believers. So with that, I wanted to play a few clips uh, for you from a recent service that I heard from Jim Osmond, and he talked about water baptism. So I think that you may find this helpful. And again, the link will be provided below for the full service, so you can take a listen to it. But I want you to hear some of the things he says about water baptism as far as um, for believers in Christ. So then, what is pictured in water baptism? First, our immersion into Jesus Christ, the fact that we are placed in him and submerged in him. Second, because we have been submerged into him, we have been immersed into his death and to his resurrection. 
We're put under his death. We're put into and under his resurrection. Going under the water is a picture of us being buried with him. That's the language of Romans 6. And coming out of the water is a picture of us being resurrected and raised to newness of life. And again, that is the language of Romans 6. But that's not all. Being submerged or immersed or plunged into, dipped under, whatever word you want to use, is also, uh, uh, that word or, or immersion pictures us being plunged, immersed, under the waters of judgment. There's an element of judgment that is pictured in our immersion in Jesus Christ. We all die because of sin. Death is, death is the curse for sin. Death is the penalty of sin. And every gravestone, every casket, every dead corpse is a reminder that we live in a sin-cursed and fallen world. And that because we have sinned, we all deserve death. And physical death is what we will all suffer through. The grave is a symbol of that. And the imagery of water helps picture that judgment. The world perished in a worldwide flood. It all died except for eight men, eight men and women who were on board Noah's Ark. Pharaoh's army met a judgment in floodwaters as the waters consumed them in the Red Sea. Even Jonah being swallowed by the, uh, the giant fish and going down into the heart of the sea is likened to death, not only in the book of Jonah, but by the Lord Jesus himself, who used Jonah as a prophetic picture of his own death and resurrection. And so going underneath the waters is akin to, or it is a symbol of going into and under and suffering through death on our behalf. Wayne Grudem makes this point in his theology text, quote, therefore, those who go down into the waters of baptism really are going down into the waters of judgment and death, a death that they deserve from God for their sins. When they come back up out of the waters of baptism, it shows that they have come safely through God's judgment only because of the merits of Jesus Christ with whom they are united in his death and resurrection. And this is why Peter can say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, that baptism corresponds to the saving of Noah and his family from the waters of judgment in the flood. There's a picture of judgment. When we take somebody and we plunge them beneath the waters, we are saying they are going under in death, they are judged, and they are coming out of this, not because of their own merits, their own rights standing, not because of their own works, but because somebody else has suffered this death, this burial, and has been raised on their behalf. And this person, because they're immersed in Christ, we now immerse as a picture of their immersion. And we bring them up in, as it were, out of judgment. And baptism is the opportunity for God's people, his disciples, to portray in the physical realm exactly what is true of them in the spiritual realm. And there is one final clip from this message that I want to play for you that may be helpful for some that are listening with regards to maybe being baptized in the past and you realize at that point that you were not even a true convert or a true believer in Christ. You may find this encouraging and helpful for you so that you can maybe discuss with um, a, a pastor, maybe discuss with your pastor in stating that you realize that the baptism that you, the water baptism that you had before was not actually um, done when you were a true believer in Christ or a false convert, if you will. And again, this is not to bring judgment or condemnation on anyone. This is to help you and to encourage you so that you can understand biblically what true, what it means to be water baptized and the significance of it and the importance of it as a believer in Christ. What if I got baptized and then I became a believer? And I went forward, I got baptized, I had no idea what I was doing. My friends were doing it. It was an exciting time in our life. It kind of marked a new beginning. My parents really wanted me to get baptized. And it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that I finally came to saving faith in Jesus Christ and was actually regenerated. Should I get rebaptized? No. Should not get rebaptized. You should get baptized. That was not a baptism. Nobody should ever get rebaptized. There's only one baptism and you do it once. So no, you don't get rebaptized. you get baptized. I, I had a friend whom I baptized who, I'm the, I was the third guy to baptize him. He got baptized in the Mormon church because he was there and he was interested in, in marrying the person. He had to get baptized in the Mormon church in order to be married there. So he was baptized as a Mormon. Then he came to understand that Mormonism is a cult, which it is. He left the Mormon church, came into the Lutheran church in order to become a member of the Lutheran church. He had to be baptized in the Lutheran church. So he got baptized, left the Lutheran church, Came, became a believer, came to Christ, he came to Kootenai, and so I baptized him as a believer. Did I re-baptize re him? No, I baptized him. I immersed him because none of those previous two were legitimate or biblical baptisms. Fourth question, what if I am a believer and I have never been baptized? Reasons that we give for not being baptized. I've heard them all. I've answered them all. Here's a couple of them. Jim, it's been so long since I trusted Christ I didn't get baptized immediately. Things happened. Kids came. Life happened. 
It's been 20 years. I got saved when I was in my 20s. Here I am in my 40s. It's just been a long time. It's just, it's never pointless to obey, is it? Late obedience is better than no obedience, so we'll be baptized. Or some will say, it's kind of a ridiculous thing to do, to go forward, to get wet, to be plunged beneath the water. That seems a bit silly. It's not silly once you understand the significance of it. Then it becomes beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when we understand the significance of it. It's not silly at all. To, to demonstrate before men and women and your church body that you have been plunged into Jesus Christ, come through the judgment, and out of that into newness of life, and to testify to that reality in front of God's people is a beautiful thing. It is not silly at all. Third, well, I don't want to get up in front of people and do this. My salvation is between me and the Lord. It's a private thing. You're right, it is a private thing. And you're right, it is between you and your Lord who commands you to be baptized in front of people. So it's a command. We are to do this until the end of the age. Why would you withhold that grace from your brothers and sisters in Christ of standing up and having them rejoice with you in your proclamation of the truth of the gospel to your brothers and sisters in Christ who are here? You're not getting baptized in, a, in, a, in front of a hostile crowd. You're getting baptized in front of people who will be weeping with joy with you over what it is that you're proclaiming to them has become true of you. Or fourth, I just don't believe that baptism is for today or it is for Gentiles. It is for today because there is no expiration date on the command to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them to observe all that he has commanded. There's no expiration date on that. Therefore, it is for today. And it's not just for Jews. It was not just a Jewish ordinance. That is why Cornelius, a Gentile, was baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch, who was also a, a Gentile, he was baptized. The pattern in the, Old Testament, or the pattern in the New Testament is both Jews and Gentiles were baptized by the apostle to the Jews and by the apostle to the Gentiles. Therefore, it is not just uniquely a Jewish ordinance. So I hope that this all has been helpful to you in hearing about water baptism and understanding what it is and what it is not, and the biblical understanding of what baptism symbolizes and what should be taking place in a water baptism. And I hope that you will evaluate biblically the examples I showed you, scrutinize them against scripture and to see if they stand up against the truth according to the word of God and to see if you see examples that of some of the things that are taking place in the services such as in Bethel and people saying why they want to be water baptized or what Torben Sondergaard is doing, or what Krista Alicia was saying, or Anna Werner was saying, or, or whoever is saying these different things or experiences about water baptism, and always compare them back to Scripture. And this is not to mock them or to say anything negative about them or malicious or anything, but we have to bring these examples to light. And unfortunately, there are names attached to these. And we have to be aware that these are going on and to lovingly bring biblical correction to them when we see them because we don't want people being led astray and we don't want people perishing um, spiritually and eternally because they don't have a proper biblical understanding and then they're not even true converts. So again, I hope that this has been helpful to you and please check out the links that are provided for this as well, especially the teaching by Jim Osmond. I think that you'll find it very encouraging and very insightful as far as getting a more thorough biblical understanding of water baptism. Until next time, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesubscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.